Welcome to ABC, Abergavenny Baptist Church, building faith and friendship. Is Jesus the only way to God? The Bible's answer, or at least the New Testament answer, is an emphatic yes. Jesus says in John chapter 14 in verse 6, that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Over here, Jesus doesn't only claim to be the way to the Father, but he claims to be the only way to God. Similarly, uh, Peter, speaking in Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, says, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. Again, take note of the exclusive language. No one else. No other name. It is only by the name that is the power and the authority of Jesus, that we can be saved. But why? Why is it only by Jesus? What makes Jesus so unique? Firstly, Jesus is unique in that he is the best, the ultimate, and the decisive revelation of God. In that chapter, in John chapter 14, where Jesus says in verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He goes on to say in verse 9, Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. And in verse 11, he says, I am in the Father and the Father is in me. No one else can claim that. No one else has ever claimed that. For Jesus is the best and the ultimate revelation of God. It's in Jesus that we see who God is and what God is like. And therefore, it's only by knowing Jesus and through Jesus that we can know God and have a relationship with God. Secondly, Jesus is unique by his achievements. In the the passage from Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, it states, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which We must be saved. Now, we all need to be saved. All of humanity, at some point, has turned their backs on God, have rejected God and decided to do things their way or our way rather than God's way. And the Bible calls this sin. And the consequence of sin, the result of sin, is we feel regret and guilt 
We become addictive to thoughts and behavior that have a destructive power in our life and we're unable to break free. The ultimate consequence of sin is eternal alienation from God. Death. But Jesus, through his life, his death, and his resurrection, has set us free from the power and the consequence of sin so that we can become what God originally created us to be. He has set us free. He is our Savior. No other religion claims that. Buddhist's view of Buddha is that he's a great teacher. Muslims' view of Muhammad is that he's a great prophet. Christians' view of Jesus is that he's a great teacher and a great prophet, but more than that, he's our Savior. You see, there's nothing we need to do to earn our salvation. In fact, there is nothing we can do to earn our salvation. But put our trust in Jesus. For Jesus has set us free. Jesus is our Savior. Thirdly, Jesus is unique because of the resurrection. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 10, Peter describes Jesus as the one whom God raised from the dead. Earlier in Acts, uh, Peter had referred to uh, Jesus in, in chapter 3 and verse 15 as the author of life, the source of all life. But Jesus is more than the source of all life. Through his resurrection, he's the source of new life, resurrected eternal life. Jesus has conquered death. No one else has. More so, we don't just have a relationship with a dead relic from the past. We have a relationship with the living, reigning Jesus. We can know Jesus personally now, today. You can't know Muhammad personally. You can't know Buddha personally. You can learn a lot about them, but you can't know them personally. So Jesus, as the unique, decisive revelation of God, the unique Savior, the only one to be raised from the dead, it's only through Jesus that we can come to God. It's only through Jesus that we can be saved. Now, having said that, this raises the question, what about other religions? Are all other religions misguided, delusional, or even demonic? No. When Jesus said, I am the truth, that essentially means that 
we find the ultimate, the absolute truth in the person of Jesus. That doesn't mean that there can't be truth outside of Jesus, other partial truth. But Jesus becomes the standard by which we examine, by which we test all other truth claims. And therefore, it's possible that there would be partial truth, truth in other religions. In fact, I would expect there to be some truth in other religions for two reasons. Firstly, God has revealed himself to everyone through creation. Paul, in, in Romans chapter 1, we looked at this a few weeks back, and in verse 20 he says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. Also, God has revealed himself to everyone through our consciences. In the very next chapter, Romans chapter 2 and verse 14 through to 15, says, Indeed, when Gentiles, that's non-Jews, who do not have the law, that's the Ten Commandments, do by nature things required by the law, then verse 15 says, they show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts, their consciences also bearing witness. So God has revealed himself to everyone through creation and through our consciences. And therefore we should expect to find God's truth even in other religions. This is one of the reasons why we find the golden rule, you know, the golden rule, do to others what you would have them do to you, is found in virtually every religion. Because it's God's truth. And therefore we shouldn't be surprised to sometimes see good in other religions. I have been inspired and challenged by adherers to other faiths. Their devotion, their commitment, their sacrificial love, their integrity. A prime example for, for myself, personally, has been Gandhi. I see so much of Jesus in him. What really annoys me, though, is when some Christians feel the need to downgrade the virtues of other religions, when they need to try and make the goodness that they see in other religions seem less good, in order to make them seem worse. We don't have to do that. We can celebrate the truth we see in other religions, because all truth is God's truth. When I was studying at Bible College, there was another student who was studying at the same time who had come from Africa. 
He had come over early in order to organize accommodation and everything, get everything ready for it, and then the rest of his family was going to come over. He had got everything sorted except for a double mattress for his wife and himself. And he had run out of money. And he didn't know what to do. And so he had asked us to pray for him, and he was praying for a solution. It wasn't long after that, he was walking just down the street, and a Muslim man came up to him, someone he had never seen before, and this guy gave him a hundred pounds, and said, I was praying, and God told me to give this to you. This guy was totally shocked. He went down to the bed shop and he found the perfect mattress. He asked the shop attendant, how much is this mattress? 199 pounds and 99 pence, replied the shop assistant. The student looked at his 100 pounds, started wondering what to do. As another shop assistant interjected and said, no, that mattress goes on sale today. 50% off. It's a hundred pounds. God works in mysterious ways. He even works through other religions. Now this doesn't mean that all religions are equally true or that all religions lead to God. If we follow Paul's argument in the book of Romans, in chapter 1, as I read earlier, he speaks about how God reveals himself to everyone through creation. In chapter 2, he argues that God reveals himself to the Jews through the law, the Ten Commandments, and through the non-Jews, through their consciences. Then in chapter 3, in verse 23, he states, in his conclusion, basically he's saying, despite that, all, that's Jews and non-Jews, have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All humans, from all religions, fall short of God and are unable to reconcile themselves to God. Therefore, we need a Savior. We need Jesus. It also doesn't mean that all religions are equally true. The sure fact that there is Many contradictions between all the religions of the world implies that there must be error somewhere. And although there is certainly truth in other religions, there is also error in other religions. We only find absolute truth free of any error in the person of Jesus. And therefore, Jesus becomes the means, the standard of which we use to measure and test and examine all other religions. And when we do that, we will discover that there is a lot of truth in other religions, but there is also error.
in other religions. This, however, (laughs) doesn't mean that Christians are free from error. This doesn't even mean that our understanding and interpretation of the absolute truth of Jesus is going to always be free from error. Certainly there have been many Christians in the past who have done very evil things in the name of Christianity. And we need to apologize for that. And we need to allow Jesus to examine our beliefs and our behavior so that he can bring to light our error, just as he brings to light the error in other religions. This ultimately leads to the question (laughs) I think everyone's been having the whole time, at least hopefully you have. Uh, If Jesus is the only way to be saved, Does this mean that everyone else will not experience life after death? Now, of course, salvation is way bigger than the question about life after death. Salvation is essentially being restored into a relationship. It's essentially having your sins forgiven so that you can be restored into a living relationship with God, a personal and intimate relationship, so that you can be transformed into the person that God had always created you to be, that you can reflect the image of Jesus, so that you can become God's agent of transformation in the world so that you can discover God's purpose for your life and so that you can have life everlasting. But when people talk about, well, what about other religions, they normally have final judgment in mind. Will they experience life after death? The answer to that question, I believe, that the New Testament gives us is no if they have rejected Jesus. The context of John's Gospel, where Jesus says in verse 6 of chapter 14 that I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me, is that people were rejecting Jesus They were turning their backs on Jesus and they were returning to Judaism. If you reject Jesus, if you turn your back on God's ultimate revelation of himself, you will experience judgment, eternal death. Of course, this now just leads to the next question. What happens to someone who has not heard about Jesus? They haven't rejected Jesus. Before I answer that question, I need to make a few points. 
Firstly, the Bible doesn't answer hypothetical questions directly. That is clearly a hypothetical question because the person asking the question has clearly heard about Jesus. Yeah? So it's a hypothetical question. Secondly, we can never judge a person's heart. Only God can. Thirdly, we can be certain, we can know with absolute certainty that God will judge justly. No one at final judgment day is going to say, I don't think that was fair. Everyone there is going to be saying of God, that is just. Fourthly, we know that a person will never be saved by their religion. They'll never be saved by their good works. A person is only ever saved by what Jesus has done. So with those points in mind, we need to clarify the question. Is it possible for someone who hasn't heard about Jesus to be saved by what Jesus has done? Let's think about Abraham, Moses, and David. Surely, they are saved. But they had never heard of Jesus. And that goes for all the Old Testament believers. How is that possible? Paul tells us, in Romans chapter 3, in verses 25 to 26, that Jesus' death is effective for people after his death and before. So in other words, David is forgiven because of what Jesus will do for him on the cross. Jesus also tells a parable in Luke chapter 18 the parable of the tax collector and the Pharisee. The tax collector comes before God and he says, Have mercy on me, God, a sinner. And Jesus says that he walks away justified before God. Yet, he had never heard of Jesus. Surely it is possible for someone who has never heard about Jesus to be saved if they act the way the Pharisee acted. If they came before God with a God-given sense of sin and a need for forgiveness, and they cry out to God for help. I would also imagine if such a person was subsequently to hear the gospel, they would respond, as missionaries often tell us people do, by immediately accepting the gospel and saying, this is what I've been waiting for all these years. However, if such a person never heard the gospel, I believe they would be saved. This, of course, then raises another question. Why, if that is the case, 
Why should we bother telling people about Jesus? Although it's possible that a person who has never heard about Jesus might be saved, if such a person hears the gospel and accepts the gospel, the Bible tells us they will be saved. There is a certainty, an assurance of salvation when you accept Jesus. More so, as I said earlier, salvation is far bigger than life after death. Salvation is about experiencing abundant life now that comes from knowing that your sins have been forgiven by experiencing an intimate and a personal relationship with the living God by being slowly transformed more and more into the likeness of Jesus, by becoming God's agent of transformation in the world, by about discovering your God-given purpose in life now. All of this is available now. How can we not share such good news with other people? So how do we relate with people of different religions? How should we relate? I think firstly, we need to follow Jesus' example about loving our neighbor. We need to love people from other religions. We need to respect them. We need to celebrate the virtues and the truth that we see in them. Secondly, with humility and sensitivity, we need to examine other religions in the light of absolute truth, in the light of Jesus. For there is error in other religions. And we need to examine ourselves, our beliefs and behavior in the light of Jesus. Thirdly, with boldness, balanced with sensitivity and wisdom, we need to tell people about Jesus. We need to communicate the message of Jesus in both what we say and the way we live. Lastly, we need to pray for people of other religions. You will never be able to convert anyone. Only the Holy Spirit can touch people's hearts and consciences to accept Jesus, to turn to Jesus and to put their faith in Jesus. So we need to pray for people of other religions. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have revealed yourself ultimately and decisively through Jesus. Father, we thank you that through Jesus we can experience salvation, forgiveness, reconciliation, restoration, and glorification. 
And Father, as we relate to other people, especially people of other religions, help us to communicate that message of love that you have for them by what we say and by the way we live. Give us a heart for them, to love them, to pray for them, to witness to them. We pray for boldness that comes from your Holy Spirit. But we pray too for wisdom and sensitivity that comes from your Holy Spirit to be able to do this effectively. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.